didn't get that. Could you try again? Good morning, everyone. <laughs> Welcome to this edition of Livestream Sunday School for our Akron Alliance Fellowship Church in Akron, Ohio. We appreciate you being here this morning. My name is Melvin Gaines. We're going to go ahead and get started while we get settled in here uh, within our church as well, too. Good morning, everyone here. And allow you to also get a cup of coffee uh, well, if you're online watching. We're going to listen to music from Dr. E. Dewey Smith, Pass Me Not. And it's coming through right now. We appreciate you being here this morning. God bless you. Good morning, Beverly. How are you? Thanks for joining us this morning. The old traditional song, the old traditional hymns. Good morning, Mr. Gaines and Delia. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for joining us today. Appreciate you being here. Ronnie, good morning. Good morning. It's going to be a toasty one here this morning. <laughs> Good morning. Welcome to Sunday School. We appreciate you being here. Brother Nate. Good morning, Marnell. Welcome, welcome. Akron Alliance Fellowship West Campus. <laughs> Western time zone. Appreciate you being here. <laughs> We appreciate you being here. Good morning. (laughs) Anitra, good morning. Thank you for joining us this morning. (laughs) I'm not going to sing like. E. Dewey Smith. I'll let him sing that. I'll sit in the background. 
not pass me by. Amen. Amen. Oh, Jackie, good morning. Sister Pearl, good morning. Brother Walter, good morning. See that, Jackie? everybody. Pass Me Not song. Um, that is, uh, that's what it says here on the thing. It's Pass Me Not is the name of the song. Um, one of those old, old-time gospel songs that uh, it's easy to remember the lyrics to something like that, especially if you're in a moment of recognizing the importance of giving praise and worship to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's well worth the time to get to know some of those songs and put them in your heart. Um, because that's really what it's all about. Be thankful for where you are today because of the Lord Jesus Christ, what he has done for you in your life. Everybody here has a story. Amen? Everyone has a story as far as how God has delivered you and brought you to this place today. And that's what we want to recognize as we um, move forward um, this Sunday and every day uh, as far as our praise and worship of the Lord. So we appreciate the music, and we thanks again, Arlen. Uh, looks like it passed, this, passed the test of staying on, keeping us on air. Uh, Columbus, good morning. Uh, appreciate you being here. Thank you so much. Um, we have some announcements to make before we get started with Sunday School. It's, a, it's an important message today, too, that we're hitting in the book of John. And it requires us as believers, when we look at something like this, to do some soul searching um, as far as relationships, um, relationship with Jesus, relationship with people that we have in the church, relationships that we have in general, but especially with Jesus. Um, and I think that that's what we're going to be looking at today and who enables us to have these relationships. Um, first, please uh, note that for our church today, we will, uh, Pastor Gus will be giving the message today, uh, first Sunday, and uh, it will be available online here on the Akron Alliance Fellowship timeline with a live broadcast. Um, there's also communion today, so we want to make a note of that as well. Please remember your tithes and offerings. We uh, 
appreciate your giving prayerful consideration to the giving aspect of worship. Uh, If you are mailing your tithes or offerings, please do so to Akron Alliance Fellowship, 688 Diagonal Road, Akron, Ohio, 44320. We appreciate you giving that prayerful consideration in doing so. Akron Alliance Fellowship, 688 Diagonal Road, Akron, Ohio, 44320. Um, One thing that I'm reminded of when I've had conversations even with other pastors or people we've talked to, our church is very blessed. We don't have a large church, but we have a church that uh, is holding its own when it comes to ministry, when it comes to uh, even the finances. People have been giving and they have been contributing. It's really weird how the Lord really just seemed to ratchet things up, even from the aspect of our giving, the giving aspect when COVID hit. (laughs) It's just all of a sudden, money just starts coming in. And it's just like this is something you can't, you don't plan for, but we just know that um, God is the one who sustains and keeps us through the highs and the lows, the ups and the downs, peaks and the valleys, all those different uh, words we can use to describe how life goes at times. But um, we're very, very grateful for what God has done here at Akron Alliance. But please understand that we are doing it because of the goodness of the Spirit, because of how He has uh, just kept us. The indwelling Spirit for those who believe in Jesus Christ has been the one who gives us the ability to have these relationships that we have, have a greater understanding of His Word. And we're going to talk about that uh, more today as we go along. So we appreciate you remembering your tithes and offerings. We appreciate, appreciate you remembering and giving prayer for that aspect of the giving through worship. Thank you for being here. We're going to go ahead and get started. There is um This is going to be a continuation in the book of John. We're going to be covering John chapter 16 verses 1 through 15. And we're going to now see that Jesus is still speaking. All of the dialogue here in this particular section we're covering is coming directly from Jesus. And we have to remember that even though he's speaking and still giving instruction to his disciples, he, of course, is speaking directly to us. He's speaking directly to us as a people. We need to recognize that and see that for what it truly is. He is the one who's giving instruction. So we appreciate you being here. I want to make sure that all of us are focused on what the Spirit has to say now about this lesson. Let's go ahead and look to the Lord with a word of prayer. We'll get started. Lord, we thank You again for this time that You've given to us to sit quietly before You. Lord, we want to hear You speak. We want to hear and sense and know and recognize Your presence. Lord, we again are reminded that where two or more are gathered in your name, you are present. And Lord, we thank you for that promise. Speak to us now, Lord. Give us what we need to truly grow and learn more about you. Lord, every day is a day of learning before you as we stay in your word. We thank you. We give you praise in Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right, everybody, turn your Bibles and electronic devices to John chapter 16. We're going to look at verses 1 through 15. Elaine, good morning. Thank you for being here. We appreciate you being here. 
Um, and we just again thank you for just trusting us with Sunday school. Not many places are doing Sunday school. I don't understand it myself. I'm never going to completely. But we're going to do it for as long as I'm alive. <laughs> Amen. I don't care where I'm at. I'm going to do it. And when I travel in October, I'm going to do it from my hotel room. We'll be doing it here as well, too. It's, I'm very convicted about the importance of Sunday school. And, and please understand that it really is important for us to be in the Word every single day, not just on Sunday morning. But we're going to read through and see what Jesus is teaching now about the Holy Spirit in this passage, John chapter 16, verses 1 through 15. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. Please follow along in your version. Verse 1, I have told you these things so that you won't abandon your faith. For you will be expelled from the synagogues. And the time is coming when those who kill you will think they are doing a holy service for God. This is because they have never known the Father or me. Verse 4, yes, I'm telling you these things now so that when they happen, you will remember my warning I didn't tell you earlier because I was going to be with you for a while longer. But now I am going away to the one who sent me, and not one of you is asking where I am going. Verse 6, instead you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. Verse 8. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Verse 10. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. There is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it. Now, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the father is mine. This is why I said the spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. Okay, that's John chapter 16, verses 1 through 15. What we have to understand here, first of all, this communication, let's just, let's just be very clear about something as we, before we go forward. The disciples that he's speaking to really are still in the dark about this whole thing that Jesus is doing. Fair enough? They're still learning. They're not going to have total knowledge as to all the things that Jesus spoke about during his ministry on earth, his two-year ministry. Let's just round it up. It's two years. Two years of ministry time. They're not going to have complete understanding of the things that he's been saying until the Spirit is given to them by Jesus for greater knowledge. But all this information that we're receiving here is all information that you just put in your memory banks, that you store it in. And understand something, a lot of what we do is very similar to this. Is there any way that any one of us can say we have complete knowledge and understanding of who Jesus Christ is? The answer is you can't. You don't. You, you do not have this complete knowledge. And the Spirit knows this. 
The Spirit knows this. To be clear, the Spirit has to be the indwelling Holy Spirit that Jesus is promising here that has to provide you with wisdom, knowledge, and a gaining of acknowledgement that you need to know more. That's why we stay in the Word every day. If you stop reading the Bible, what's going to happen? You're not going to have this ongoing feeding of knowledge because the Spirit has to speak to you about what you've been reading, what your understanding is. And Jesus is telling us these things for a very important reason. Go back to verse 1. I want you to see what he says here. I have told you these things so that you won't abandon your faith. Now that's a very telling statement. Because if you do not guard against this thing that Satan tries to do to all of us, to derail us, to get us off track, to take us off of focus, because Satan wants to derail you every day from reading the Word. He wants to keep you out of the Word. He wants to keep you away from the Word. He wants you to look at what's happening in the world today and say, you know, what you're doing is irrelevant to what I'm doing over here. What I'm doing is much more important. Satan will try to convince you that that's what your focus should be. And when you do that, guess what you're doing? You're abandoning your faith. You're putting it to the side. We're not talking about losing your salvation. That's not what we're talking about. But there have been many believers who have chosen to go the way of the world or chosen to follow the world and they have rendered themselves ineffective in the body of Christ because they're so distracted. And you better believe that's happening. It's happening all the time. We hear about people who make these public declarations, I don't know, over social media, whatever it is. They're making public, public declarations that they no longer believe in Jesus. They're walking away from the faith. Well, let me challenge you with something. They were never there in the first place. Because we have to make a, a really, I don't think it's a controversial statement. I think we just have to make a statement. When we talk about believing in Jesus, well, we can do like what the Pharisees do and say, yeah, they know that there is a Jesus who exists. But how do you know Jesus? What is the belief that you have in him? Do you believe he's just a great guy who lived on earth? Do you believe he was just a prophet? Or do you believe that he truly is the Son of God? Do you really believe that he is the one who died for our sins on the cross? Do you believe that you need Jesus because you can't live without him. That's the kind of belief I'm talking about. And we talk about Jesus giving this warning. He's telling you this information so that you won't abandon your faith. What's the opposite of faith? The opposite of faith, plain and simple, is fear. Fear. Does the world want you to be fearful. The world will put stuff in your face. The world will challenge you with people and come in your midst who don't follow Christ. Does the world want you to retreat? Does the world try to ridicule or persecute a believer because, well, you believe in him, what's wrong with you? 
and try to make you feel foolish. Well, Jesus is telling us this for a reason. Now, the reason why I'm I'm mentioning this, I want you to look very carefully here at what it says in verse 2. Let's go down to verse 2. John 16, verse 2. For you will be expelled from the synagogues, and the time is coming when those who kill you will think they are doing a holy service for God. Verse 3, this is because they have never known the Father or me. Look what it says very carefully, number 3. This is because they have never known the Father or me. These are people who are supposedly thinking they're doing a holy service for God, but they, they don't have a relationship with God. They have a relationship with God in their own hearts and minds, but not the way God wants them to. Not the way that God is requiring for us to do. So we've even got people who profess to be followers of God, and that's what he's saying here, everybody, who are going to do this work. Who is he really referring to here? He's talking about these things in the future. They're going to have you expelled from the synagogues, and time is coming when those who kill you will think they're doing a holy service of God. Who is he talking about? He's talking about a future event taking place with Saul. Saul, who was opposed to the way, as it was described in Acts, the book of Acts, in the early part of Acts, because he was defending what? The original faith, the faith of following, you know, the Jewish culture, the Jewish teachings. And he was having people persecuted. And he was condoning these people being killed. We have to understand that we're referring to an event like that, but we have to also recognize that there are people who want to see those in leadership who are supposedly doing something that's right and true. They'll have you wiped out if they don't like you. There's two examples of that that are very clear that happened in the 60s. Martin Luther King, Malcolm X. Now, there's not a, not a discussion about whether or not they were Christians or not. But if you are in opposition with somebody who does not like you, they will kill you. They'll take you out. And I want you to understand and see that they think they're doing the right thing in doing that. But Jesus is saying a very key phrase, in verse, a very key sentence in verse 3, this is because they have never known the Father or me. A lot of people talk about being followers of God. Followers of God but they don't have a relationship with God. They don't have a relationship with God. And that's the cleverness of Satan all over again. Satan can portray the image of light. He can portray it. He is not light. He is darkness. He is a devil. He is a liar and the father of all lies. He's been lying forever. He was lying in the Garden of Eden. He didn't tell the truth then. He's not going to tell the truth now. It's not in his character to do so. So we have to understand that this goes a lot deeper than what people realize. When people look at the world today, 
they really need to look at the world and say, this world is full up in spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare. We are all up in it. We're in a battle for our lives. We're in a battle for our very souls. The very people that we should be praying for every day are for people that we know in our families. Let's start there. In our families who don't know Jesus. You need to be praying and putting those people up on the, on the, right before the Lord all the time. Pray that they are saved. Pray that they get salvation. Pray that they understand having a relationship with Jesus Christ means acknowledging that He is Lord and Savior of that person's life. A lot of people re- don't realize they're drowning. They need a Savior. So we have to come back and recognize that Paul... Saul, who later became Paul under the authority of high priest, went through the land hunting down and persecuting Christians. He thought he was doing the right thing. This was in Acts chapter 9. We won't turn to that. Acts chapter 9, and it's also mentioned again in Acts uh, Acts chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, and also Acts chapter 26, verses 9 through 11. We're not going to turn to that just because of um, keeping things moving here. But he thought he was doing the right thing. Until Jesus revealed to him, why are you persecuting me? Why are you persecuting me? You, ever, you know, you ever try to do something for someone, but you, you know, and you think you're doing the right thing, or you think you're being helpful, but when you find out, come later, come find out later on, you're not being helpful at all. They just put up with it. It happens all the time. It's an honest mistake that some of us make. Sometimes we just have to back off can't do everything to help everyone. You sometimes have to let them figure it out for themselves or whatever it is. It's not a criticism. It's just reality. We sometimes just have to back off. But the one thing we cannot back off on is our pursuit of who Jesus is. Verse 4. Back to John 16, verse 4. All Jesus' dialogue here. Yes, I'm telling you these things now so that when they happen, you will remember my warning. My warning. I didn't tell you earlier because I was going to be with you for a while longer. Then verse 5, But now I am going away to the one who sent me. And not one of you is asking where I'm going. And I'll read verse 6. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. Now, understand something. This is why I said earlier about the disciples are still unaware of what's going on. They don't know he's going to a cross. They don't have this information. We have it. They don't. And the disciples, he's giving the reactions. They're grieving because he's leaving. He's going away. He's going to a place. They were asking the questions... um, in John 13, yeah, go to John 13, verse 36, real quick. They were asking questions, and this is prior to, we get to this point here in chapter 16. But John 13, 36.
Let's start. Let's just read verses 36 through 38 because it's important for us to see something here too. It also looks about the thought process and the, and the, and the process of the individuals involved too. John 13, verse 36. I'm reading from the Christian Center Bible version. Just follow along in your version. It's pretty, pretty similar, actually, if you're reading the New Living Translation. Lord Simon Peter said to him, where are you going? Jesus answered, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow later. Verse 37, Lord, Peter asked, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus replied, really? No, he didn't say really. Uh, but, he, but he is saying essentially, <laughs> will you lay down your life for me? Truly I tell you, a rooster will not crow until you have denied me three times. You have to understand something. When the, when the disciples were saying these things, they were feeling pretty good about who they were. They had a relationship with Jesus for two years. We were in this inner circle of people that were hanging out with Jesus all the time. And so that afforded them, in their way of thinking, their own rights and privileges to do whatever and make statements or declarations about who they were. But a lot of them were selfish. As human beings, we have to understand something. We sometimes think selfishly, even in the midst of some kind of conversation like this. There's another example of this. Uh, look, look at... Turn to John 14. Well, this, you're almost probably on the same page. John 14, verse 5. Verse 5. John 14, verse 5. Lord, Thomas said, it's Thomas speaking. We know Thomas. We don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Verse 6, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will also know my Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And that's because in the process of this, Jesus was revealing to them that he has a very special relationship with the Father. He and Father and Son, he has a relationship with the Father. And he's telling them to their faces, without them really understanding, you're looking at me, you're seeing the Father. But he has to make us recognize that sometimes we look at this thing about who Jesus is and sometimes we look at it with a rather self-centered approach. When Jesus said he was leaving, when Jesus talked about how he was going to die, they had never wondered what that meant. They were stuck in themselves. They weren't really looking at what Jesus had to do next. They were like, oh, Jesus is going away. Where are you going? Why can't I come with you? Because if he went away, guess what? They no longer had this inner circle thing. It was the twelve, basically the eleven, and they wouldn't have as much popularity. They wouldn't have as much notoriety. They were thinking about it from a totally different perspective than what we really realize here. Jesus is trying to teach them. He had to go away. He has to do what he's doing. And unless 
Well, I'm going to jump ahead here. They're grieving. They're upset. They're not understanding because he's going away. Jesus is telling them, I have to go away. Why does he have to go away? Go back to verse 7. John 16, verse 7. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away because if I don't, the Advocate won't come. The Advocate. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. Verse 8, And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. Look at that again real quick. We're going to cover that specifically. He's going to do what? Convict the world of its sin. He is going to talk about God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. That's a very specific statement. Because that is going to be truly, we talk about calling Jesus Emmanuel, God is with us. Let's be very clear about something about who the Holy Spirit, who the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is not any less significant than Jesus is. The Holy Spirit is not any less significant than who God is. They are all three equally significant, important, to be worshipped, to be praised. The Holy Spirit's a person. Spirit's a person. Part of the Godhead. And so we have a wonderful gift as believers in Jesus Christ. We have an indwelling Holy Spirit. The indwelling Spirit. Remember in the Old Testament, there was no indwelling of any spirit. That was not possible because Jesus had not yet completed what was necessary on the cross. The Spirit was present in the Old Testament, but it was always an outer appearance, an outer laying of the Spirit, enabling. When we read about Samson and Judges, he was given this extra power by the Spirit, but this wasn't an indwelling Spirit. And we have to recognize that Jesus had to go to the cross and be resurrected for all of these things to take effect in the new covenant. He truly was bringing something new. The old dies away, all things become new. He really meant that. He really meant that. We're all new because of what Jesus did on the cross for us and the fact that he was resurrected. We have to mention the resurrection to be very clear about this. If without the resurrection, guess what? We just have another dead guy compared to all the other prophets who are out there. The resurrection had to take place. So we need, we need to see that Jesus did these very things for us to experience eternal life. Unless Jesus came to do what he did, there would be no good news, no gospel. No message of the gospel. And there would be no Holy Spirit, no advocate, to enlighten us about the gospel. If Jesus didn't die, he couldn't remove our sins. Amen? If Jesus didn't die on the cross for us, 
to be our sacrifice, who's going to take care of our sins? Remember, in the Old Testament, all the blood and animal sacrifices that took place, they didn't wash away the sins, the actions of those. It was God's forgiveness that did that. The act of the sacrifices was merely a way of demonstration by us that we needed forgiveness of sins. And God recognized that and forgave sins. We have to understand this. There's nothing that we can do. There's nothing that we can do to have our sins expunged from us. There's nothing that you or I could do. The moment we think we can do something, we're in trouble. We're in serious trouble. Because now you've elevated what you're doing. And maybe the disciples were wondering about this too. Maybe they were thinking, you know, we, because we had Jesus with us, we, you know, everything is cool, everything is great. God's hanging out with us. We're spending time with Him. We're sharing with each other. What's going to happen when He leaves? Who's going to be our leader? Remember when they were scuffling about who was really the greatest amongst them? And Jesus had to warn them, unless you have a childlike faith, unless you have a faith like a little child, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. All this braggadocio stuff ain't going to make it. Amen? Unless you have a childlike faith, a faith like a child. I love, I love going around different... Little, we see little babies... Babies are so innocent. You know, and you, you know when you're walking through the store and you're looking, looking at them and they look at you and they start smiling? They're so innocent. They're so sweet. That's the kind of faith Jesus is talking about. That's exactly what he's talking about. A ch- like a child. And of course, I have to say this as a disclaimer, not acting like a child as an adult, but a childlike faith is what is required to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You just have to believe He's your personal Lord and Savior. You just have to believe it. If Jesus didn't go back to the Father, the Holy Spirit wouldn't come. We just read that. Spirit's not going to come. Christ's presence on earth was limited to one place at a time. When he was here on earth, he could only be in one place at a time. That was the limitation that he had, but that's because he gave, he took off all of this extra deity, all the things that are involved. Now, he didn't lessen his deity. Let me correct that. He took off all the, the nature of who he was. He was still God. But his leaving meant that he could present to the whole world his presence through the Holy Spirit. Spirit was available for everyone who believed in him. And look at what it says in verses 8 through 11 and verses 8. Well, let's, co- let's cover verses 8 through 11 real quick. Go back to verse 8. I'll read it again. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin, verse 9, the world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father 
and you will see me no more. Judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. And we need to understand something here about this message. Remember, the disciples are still learning. The clue is verse 12. There's so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. You can't handle it now. There's, there's enough info. There's so much more that you need to understand, but you can't bear it right now because it's not going to... You're not going to process it. You're not, it's going to blow you away. Whatever it is, the Spirit has to be imparted upon them to have greater understanding. We have the benefit of the Holy Spirit for those of us who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you think you could handle this stuff without the Spirit? You can't handle nothing. You can't handle the truth. Without the Holy Spirit. A line from a movie, right? You can't handle the truth. How true is that? Without the Holy Spirit, you couldn't handle it. The Spirit is the one that had to speak to you to acknowledge who Jesus was in the first place. What we have to understand about the importance of keeping kids, children, children that we raise in front of going to church, participating in activities in church, train the child in the way he should go and they will not depart from it. Well, we know that kids make their own choices when they grow up, amen? But they got the foundational information. But the Spirit has to deal with every one of those people. I pray for my kids all the time to either come to a knowledge of Christ just because someone has done things in a church in service doesn't mean that they know Jesus. Doesn't mean that they have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Spirit has to speak to that person individually about that relationship. That's why you don't stop praying for people that you know who are not living as believers would. And you know where they were. You were there, probably you saw them. They were going to church. They were doing stuff all along. They were living in such a manner. But we have to understand Jesus is trying to tell us something here. The world is going to be convicted of three things. Of its sin, righteousness, and judgment. The sin, the greatest sin of the world is that those who refuse to believe in Jesus... What is the unforgivable sin? Denying the Holy Spirit. Denying the Spirit. The unforgivable. All these other sins that we talk about. You know, we have other, other, other groups of people who have said that suicide is, is the unforgivable sin. There's nothing in Scripture that supports that. The unforgivable sin is denying the Holy Spirit. Denying the Holy Spirit means that the Spirit is the one who has imparts the wisdom to a person that Jesus is Lord of their life. But if you deny that, you have just said you don't want to believe. You don't want to believe in Jesus. You've chosen, I don't want to be any part of Jesus. Jesus' words right here in verse 9 in John 16, the world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. It refuses to believe in me. You understand the word, these words are very deliberate. 
refuses to believe in me is a very deliberate statement. In spite of the evidence, in spite of the information. I hate to come back to the... Blame blame the Spirit on this one, everybody. The O.J. Simpson trial. One of the most highly broadcast trials on television. You already knew that this thing was like way outside of what is normal when it comes to situations because we had a larger-than-life celebrity, O.J. Simpson. And we had a larger-than-life situation. And literally, we're talking about a murder that he committed. We can say it now, everybody. Back then, you couldn't say it as openly. But there were people, in spite of the evidence, in spite of the information, in spite of all the things presented in a trial, they refused to believe that O.J. committed murder. So if you ask the question, can you look at something and see evidence of it? See evidence of how God has with all of the wonderful things He's done with nature and, and, and looking at things going on in your life and other people's lives, can you, can you refuse to believe those things that you see? Absolutely you can. Because people do it all the time. God has said and shared in His Word, He desires for every single person to have a saving knowledge of Him. He wants people to get saved. But you choose not to. So people who have a poor knowledge of theology or understanding who Jesus is all about, how come God is condemning people to hell? He's not condemning anybody to hell. You condemn yourself to hell. Because you choose to not believe. And that's why we need to to pray about this sin that people have refusing to believe in Jesus. And we talk about the hearts of those who don't believe. Well, the only one I know that can change the hearts of somebody who has such a staunch disbelief in Jesus is Jesus himself through the power of the Holy Spirit. He's going to convict the world of righteousness. Jesus was justified for us by us. Take a look at Romans 4. We're on the home stretch here. Romans 4. Verse 25. Yeah. Romans 4, verse 25. He, being Jesus, was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Jesus had to die on the cross for us. He had to be our perfect sacrifice. He had to shed His blood. His red blood shed for us makes us white as snow before the Lord. He's our justification. Jesus returned to the Father because He had completed His work. 
he carried out exactly what God had him do. We need righteousness. Without Jesus, remember I said, you can't save yourself. Where is our righteousness going to come from? That's a gift. We are made righteous because of what Christ did for us on the cross. We are not righteous without Him. We have no righteousness without Him. It has to be Jesus making us righteous before God. He removes our sin. He adds His righteousness. And finally, He convicts the world of judgment. Judgment. There is a reckoning that's coming. Satan is already condemned. Those who follow Satan are effectively condemned. And remember we said this, I think last week, you're either a child of God or a child of Satan because you choose what camp you want to be in. You choose where you want to follow. If you want to live for yourself, if you want to do whatever you want to do, just like it says in the book of Judges, um, there was everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And it says it more than once in Judges. The people wanted to live the way they wanted to live. Guess what? You're a child of Satan. Because you're living, you are your own God at that point. You're your own God. If you want to live the way you want to live, guess what? You have just elevated yourself above Jesus or anybody else for that matter. That's a decision you make. But Jesus says judgment is coming. The ruler of this world has already been judged. You're in the camp with Satan. Guess what? You're under judgment. And understand that a lot of that is going to be reckoned with when Jesus returns for the second time. But guess what? It's already being reckoned with today. And we also have to come up with a, a hard fact too. If you know who Jesus is and you have a relationship with him, if you're not living right, there can be a judgment also here for that person. It's really um, interesting how if you're not a positive testimony for Jesus, you can shorten your life. I'm not going to get into that in greater detail. But that's exactly what the Word has even told us. You can shorten your life. So those of us who think church is worth playing around with, think it's a game, think it's just something to do as a, like a rotary club would do, be careful about that. Be careful. I'm glad we're all here together, but we're not here as a rotary club. We're here for a purpose. It's for education. It's for understanding about who Jesus is in your life. Verse 13, we'll finish up here. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own, but He will tell you about what He has heard. Heard from who? The Father. Jesus. He is acting in unison with both. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever He receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is, this is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever He receives from me. 
What a special relationship. The Spirit guides us into the truth about who Jesus is. Truth. The Spirit enables us to handle this truth. The Spirit gives us what we need to deal with this truth. The Spirit helps us to discern what's right and what's wrong. Don't we need discernment? What's right and what's wrong? Praying about those things that happen in our life, we're not quite sure. Sometimes the Spirit says, nope, go this other direction. Take this path instead of the other path. And the only way you're going to really trust in that is just have faith. Just do it. Take the path. Take the path. My wife and I, sometimes my lovely bride, we talk about, you know, what's the worst that could happen? Or something of that nature, right? And we do it jokingly. But Jesus is never going to lead you down a bad path. It's always a good thing. So we want to keep that in mind. The Spirit will tell you whatever He receives from me. Spirit gives them information. Spirit's going to reveal things to the disciples after Jesus' death and resurrection. Spirit reveals truths to the disciples. They're the ones that record... Some of these disciples actually recorded information in the book here. Including John. Because the Spirit had to reveal that truth to them. May we live in such a manner where we don't abandon our faith. We stay strong in the truth. Let's pray. Father, thank You. We thank You over and over again, Lord, for Your teaching and reminding us of how You give us information that we can take and live with and go about our business and recognize that, Lord, we wouldn't be able to do anything that we're doing without You. You say in Your Word, Lord, apart from Me, You can do nothing. And we recognize and accept and understand what that truly means. We thank You for this understanding You've given us through the power of the Spirit. Bless us at this time, Lord. Help us to continue to walk and stay in the faith. What overcomes fear is faith. And this world out here can be very fearful at times. But Lord, you're much greater. We thank you for all that you're doing in our lives. Bless us and keep us, Lord, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining me for this edition of Livestream Sunday School. You guys have a great holiday weekend. Enjoy your Labor Day weekend. Stay tuned later online for in our timeline for uh, the upcoming message at 11 o'clock. God bless you. Take care of yourselves. Kelly, I see you jumping in. Take care of yourself. We'll see you next time.